What does it mean that God created us to be like Him? The answer is, well, everything. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we look at all the wonderful possibilities from being created in the image of God. Here we go. Uh, this is called Him in His Image. It's going through Genesis 1 and 3. It's talking about the amazing thing that we're created in God's image. And I just want to um, pause for a little bit because I didn't do this when we were studying Genesis. But what we've established so far, what we've talked about, is that in the book of Genesis, we see that mankind, unlike every other animal, mankind is created in God's image. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it means we have free will. All the other animals in the animal kingdom respond to outside stimuli and do what they're going to do pretty much because they don't have what we have, which is a brain unlike, I was, uh, oh, I was watching, um, some of you may know that I fast uh, every day. I, I eat one meal a day. Um, there's a lot of health benefits from that. There's a lot of spiritual benefits from that. Uh, mankind has done this pretty much, you know, from antiquity. And so I, this is just how I live my life. I get a lot of people say I'm crazy, I'm stupid and all that sort of thing. I understand that. I'm not saying you should fast and I'm not saying you should, you know, avail yourself to the incredible medical benefits that are coming out about fasting. Um, but I do. And I was watching a, a guy who runs a clinic. He's run it since 1984 and he talks about intermittent, uh, a 40-day water-only, medically supervised water-only fast for 40 days, which does, I mean, the, the research that he's had over the last 30 years shows just, or 40 years show absolutely incredible results from this. Um, and you'll think I'm a quack if I tell you all the incredible things that can be healed from a 40-day a, a medically supervised water-only fast. So I'm not going to get into that because I don't want you to think I'm a quack. But he was talking about the difference between the brains of all the other, of like high level monkeys and apes and stuff like that. But they, um, the, the human brain has to have um, nourishment, has to have carbohydrate nourishment every day um, because it is the brain, believe it or not, of all the muscles in the body, uh, the brain utilizes an incredible amount of energy every day in the human brain. And he said, even the next level of, of species doesn't have near, their brain doesn't use near as much energy as the human brain does. And that was the point, is that the human brain truly is an amazing thing it, uh, compared to all other species. I mean, there are, all other species have a brain and they, you know, they use it to some effect, but all other species respond to stimuli. And they will just act in their natural response, right? They, 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 they don't necessarily have free will. Human beings have free will. We can choose to go down path A and we can choose to go down path B. Now, this is interesting. Oh, the, uh, I was watching another thing about a guy who was talking about how most humans, though, don't don't we, we respond to stimuli because we do the same thing over and over and over again, that even though we have the capacity to use our brain, we don't necessarily do that. We just respond to stimuli. Like we wake up, we eat breakfast, we, you know, 
we shower, we go to work, we come home from work, you know, we do all this stuff. And it seems like um, that, you know, we're making a lot of decisions and all that, but a lot of that stuff throughout the day is just, according to this one guy, is just responding to stimuli. And that part of what he's talking about is as humans, we should pause and be intentional about making, being aware of what decisions we have in front of us and, and making those decisions, like not just living on autopilot, but actually stopping and pausing and thinking, okay, what decisions do I have and how do I make the best decision? I mean, just concentrated energy on decision-making. I mean, that was his big thing. He says, if you do that, you'll be ahead of most people just because you do that. I mean, kind of a motivational thing, I think. But anyway, so the human brain is amazing. It is amazing. Of all the other species, God created us in his image. The ability to choose left and right, up or down. And he, he created us to be able to procreate, to have, to have children. And because of those two things, we get to experience something that God um, is. God is intelligent, right? He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's eternal. He lives forever. So we are nothing like God, but in some respects, as he placed us in the garden, we get to create life. We get to choose different paths and do different things. Um, we're not all powerful, but for our kids and raising them, they must think that we're om omnipotent. <laughs> Because it's just like, wow, there's so many things that you can do that I can't do. And just to feel the idea of omnipotence for, for young children. Uh, and, and we must seem so wise to our, you know, omniscient. Uh, and we must seem omnipresent, right, to our kids. I mean, this relationship, when you have children, particularly infants, one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old, whatever, you get to experience, you're not God. I'm not saying you're God, but for that brief moment of time where you have this little helpless babe in your arms, you get to be like God, omniscient to them, all-powerful to them, omnipresent to them, um, eternal to them, right? They don't understand that life comes and goes, right? I mean, they just they just see you. And so to them, you're always present. When, when a parent leaves, when a, a two-year-old not a two-year-old. I guess it's up to about one-year-old or something like that. Um, when a parent leaves the room for a one-year-old, apparently the research shows that the one-year-old believes you do not exist anymore. I mean, they haven't built the concept in their brain that mom still exists. She's just in the other room. She's cooking dinner. She'll be back, right? At When you're a really, really, really little infant and uh, mom leaves the room, and the infant notices the mom leaves the room, the infant gets scared because the, the infant believes mom no longer exists, right? And then when mom comes back, this sigh of relief. And at some point, you know, the brain develops to understand, okay, when mom leaves, that doesn't mean she's gone forever. It just means that she's gone. And now my brain is learning these things, right? So, so having children and and being in their life present, you know, 24-7 to observe them. And I mean, parents get to experience at some level what it means to be God. And that is such a cool thing. 
because then we understand his love for us. We get to we get a foretaste or a glimpse of what it must be to be him. We cannot be God. We cannot have all the power that God has. He will not let. He apparently tried that, uh, and because you, when you get free will and the power of God, it does not go well. I mean, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, as Lord Acton, A C T O N, said. Right, um, and so. When God created Satan, he gave him all the power of God and free will. And what happens? Satan then tries to fight against God. You you can only have one God. That's it. One eternal being in charge of everything else. And that is what that is why um, God does not give us all of his power, all of his wisdom, all of his eternity. Because if God gave us all of that, if God gave us everything that he has, then our human condition would be we want to be over even God. So he won't let us do that. And so he created us in his image. He doesn't create us as gods. He creates us in his image. He wants for us as humans to have all the joy of what it must be to be God. Because I'm sure there's a lot of pain, right? When you're God and you're in charge of kit, you know, of humanity and humanity turns on you, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of pain involved. So you don't think that God doesn't have sadness in his life when we do the things that we do. He, he wants us to have free will. He wants us to jo- enjoy all the benefits of being created in his image, but he doesn't want us to have all the hurt and the hardship and the pain, all that that he experiences because he created, out of love, he created humanity. Um, That is what it means to to be in his image. And so I, I think about just the blessing and the joy of the fact that I just wish like I could go back and have kids again, you know, and really understand that this is a once in a lot for me, because I'm not God, and I can't, you know, create life out of nothing. For me, you get to do this once in your life, like to experience what it must be like to create life, to love life, to watch life grow, and then to watch them create life. I mean, this you just get this path once. People talk about living for eternity. Like, what else? What else in eternity? could you do that would even come close to that moment of time of just just being God to your, to your kids? I mean, it's just uh, like, okay, I'm going to live forever, but what are you going to do with that, right? Um, it, it, it's, uh, there has to be, I mean, the, the fact that when we die and then Jesus raises up again and then we get to live with him forever um, I still think we we still understand the the love and the compassion of having kids like that stays with us forever. Now, you know, there's no marriages in heaven, but uh, and Jesus was very clear about that. Um, but that doesn't mean that the people that you love aren't going to be with you and, and associated with you, and that you'll have conversations with. I mean, that all of that doesn't exist in heaven. And so, I do believe that 
my children, in my grandchildren, all that, that this whole progeny, that I, I will be connected to them at a very, very deep level, as I will be connected to my father, my grandfather, my great grandfather. I mean, I think there's this level of connection that we will have in, in heaven. And there's going to be that. And, and, you know, I don't understand what heaven is, but I, I, I just don't know what else, like, if I live to be a thousand years, I don't know what else would even come close to this period of time of living on this earth to to have moms and dads, right, when you're a kid, and that special relationship and brothers and sisters, and then your spouse, and then your kids, and then your grandkids. I mean, just all of these relationships that you have in your life at different levels at different times, um, that truly is the blessing and the joy of humanity, right? And and to have our brain. there. I think God was wise when he created us. And, and so, you know, on the flip side of that, um, when I see uh, people, and, and you've probably known this, you know, couples, they get married and they can't have children. I mean, they'll do everything in their power to have children, and they can't. And my heart just breaks for them because it, it is a part of the fallen condition that not everybody is going to be able to enjoy that blessing. And so fortunately... You know, if they have the ability, maybe they could adopt or maybe they, you know, maybe they have brothers and sisters and can kind of get molded into a family, you know, so that they can experience at some level, all of that stuff. Some people make the conscious decision not to have children. I understand that too. Um, Maybe like, you know, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, you know, if you're a priest or nun, you make that decision not to do that. But I'm not sure I agree with that. They say you're being married to the church, but I, I do wonder at some level if some of the problems in the Roman Catholic Church, there's nothing in Scripture that says that when you become a priest, you have to marry the church and you can't have children. I mean, that's all kind of an organizational structure thing. It's not in, it's not embedded in Scripture. It's just kind of the way that church developed. Um, and I think the downside to that is that these priests and nuns never, ever get to experience firsthand what it's like to have children, to raise children, to be God to those children. I and mean, I hope you understand what I'm saying that. Um, the joy, the struggle, the heartbreak, all of that stuff, they just never get to experience that. And so on some level, I don't think they get to be the way that God created us. Because in the garden, God told us to be fruitful and multiply. And I don't think it's just because he wanted to overpopulate the earth and he, you know, or, you know, overpopulate the universe or whatever. I mean, uh, you make this human species dominant or whatever. I think he said be fruitful and multiply because we were made to be fruitful and multiply. We were made to have children. We were made to experience that joy in our life. We've lost that message. We truly have. Um, I mean... The, there's a lot of lot, a lot of countercultural forces out there saying you don't have to have children, right? It's perfectly fine to not have children in this world. And, um, you know, and it's probably better for the world if we don't have children because then we don't overpopulate the world. Well, if two parents have two children, you're not overpopulating the world because of that, right? So even at some level, you could, you could still do that and not overpopulate the world. Um, and, as I've said in previous episodes, I think that the world can handle a lot more people 
And once we figure out as humanity how to populate other places, the universe can handle an infinite number of people. So I'm not necessarily buying that. Uh, I think there's a, I think if we, as we overpopulate, it forces us as humanity to figure things out to handle that population. And that's part of subduing the earth. So I, that's not an excuse to me. I, I, and the other thing is, is that I know that there are people that's like, I'm not called to have children. I'm called to, like Isaac Newton, I'm called to, to figure out the world. I think at some level, um, I'm in the Isaac Newton corner. I mean, like my greatest joys are when I figure things out. I enjoyed my children. I love my children. Um, but I also enjoyed the figuring things out. I could have seen myself if that I if we never had children I could see myself dedicating my life to some cause of humanity that would really blossom and bring humanity. Um but I would be I would be at some level stunted by not seeing the other side of it which is what it's like to, to just to to have children. Um we as a society uh have lost I mean, we have not communicated enough to our children, our grandchildren, our, you know, the people around us and the world, you know, Western culture has kind of really gone off the deep end on this. It's like, it's okay. You don't have to have children and, you know, to be a complete human being and you don't have to be involved in a family to be a complete human being. You don't have to dedicate your life. I mean, you can just go to work, come home and, and I think you can do that at some level. There's no question about that. But if you have, uh, if you have the wherewithal to have children, it 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 some levels makes you more understanding about humanity, makes you understand a little bit about what it must mean to be God, um, the heartbreak of having children, the joy of having. I mean, all of that it expands your knowledge base of what it means to be human. And so I think our first, our first calling is to just encourage people to experience that. I mean, they, they should. And, and if they can't, for whatever reason, you know, um, wrap your arms around them, give them love and say, I'm so sorry. You know, let's see other options in this. And if there's no other options, they're just going to be childless. Then they're going to be like Abraham and Sarah, right? Just in grief, total grief, because God hadn't blessed them with children. But then God does come and bless them with the son Isaac. And then they're able to, you know, they're able to experience all this stuff that God had for them. And um, I think the church should fight back against culture too on this too, because there's a lot of stuff that comes out of this that um, that culture says, this is all perfectly fine. You know, all these different things are fine. And maybe they are, I don't know. But at some level, if you are not in the loop of humanity with be fruitful, multiply and subdue the earth, you're not experiencing everything that God wants you to experience in this life. And uh, I think I probably will finish this tomorrow because I've said most of the things I wanted to say about that. Uh, it does have some far-reaching implications. I don't know how deep I want to get into those. I might mention them and touch upon them. Uh, and so when we finish this study, um, uh, well, I'll explain that. What is today? Thursday. I'll explain that tomorrow. So let's just go ahead and, and close in prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much for the blessings of this day. Lord, um, be with us all, um, whatever stage we are in our life. And thank you for the blessing of just of 
being human and having this brain and getting to experience so many of the things that you get to experience in your world. Lord, be with us until we meet again and keep us ever in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.